Good morning. Good to see everybody. Um, my name is Neil Donhauer. I'm uh, one of the elders at Sherwood Oaks, and uh, it's great to be with you. We're really excited about what's going on on the west side uh, within Sherwood Oaks. Um, I did want to, on behalf of the elders, make an announcement. It seems like um, all the storms this season have been blowing in from the west side. So whoever's been praying, it seems like you're showing off now. Like, that, it's being answered, so you might want to hold off on that. But we are really excited about uh, what God is doing on the west side and what God is doing through, um, through your work. So uh, we're going to jump in this morning. I'm really excited about what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk a little bit about what you're building and what that means and what we're building together uh, in God's kingdom. Um, Sir Christopher Wren, 16th and 17th century architect, um, famous for building over 52 cathedrals uh, throughout Europe, gets to the point where later on in his career says, I need, to, I need a succession plan. I need to find the person who is going to succeed me. And so the, what I need, though, is I need somebody with the right spirit, the right attitude. So he grabs his, his scribe or his um, journalist and says, you're going to help me, and we've got this plan worked out. So there are three guys I've got in mind. And these three guys, uh, I want you to ask them this question. What are you doing here? And so that was the, that was the question then. So the first guy that, uh, that the, the uh, scribe asks is, what are you doing here? The guy says, I'm working uh, for 10 shillings a day laying brick. Okay? Got it. So you're laying brick. So the next guy says, uh, so what are you doing here? The guy says, um, I work 10 hours a day building this wall. He goes to the third guy, and the third guy says, well, I'm building a, a cathedral for the, for the famous Sir Christopher Wren. That's what I'm doing. That's my job. And so the scribe comes back and says, this is, the, this is what the three said, and Christopher Wren says, which one would you pick? And left it up to the scribe. To decide, And of course, like any of us, we would pick the third guy because of the attitude, I'm not here laying brick or earning a living, I'm here building something, I'm here to build a cathedral from somebody's vision. And so you, you probably would have done the same thing, except for the fact that you're not Christopher Wren and most of us aren't in that position, right? In fact, the Department of Commerce says, that there's a 20 to 1 ratio boss versus worker. There's a 1,000 to 1 ratio in our country, CEO versus worker. So most of us aren't in that position to go out and, and grab the people that we need to go get things done. Most of us are in the worker's position, and it's up to us to decide what attitude do we take into that. So we're going to talk this morning about attitude, because there's a Tremendous book near the end of the Old Testament called Haggai. And Haggai is a really short book, and we're going to talk about it. But the point of the, the book and the point of this morning is, is to talk a little bit about our attitude. So we're going to put some things out there about our attitude. And there, there are really three things that um, most psychologists say shapes attitude when it starts to go south. And those three things would be recent failures... Those th the second one would be loss of focus or procrastination. And you might say, well, I have faced those. 
in the last hour. I've done all of those in the last hour, probably on the way to church, or not getting up for church, or whatever the case may be. And so those, those three thoughts really are the ones that, that shape our attitude. So if I asked you this morning, what is it that's shaping your attitude? We want to unpack that a little bit, because the book of Haggai does, does that. Um, Haggai's an interesting book, because it's only two chapters, and it's near the end, and I want to talk a little bit about what it is. So um, Haggai is, is an interesting guy. We don't actually know a lot about him. Apparently his name means something like festive. Okay, but Haggai, Haggai, like what is that? So I thought, well, I don't know. Who, so I Googled, I actually found a picture of him. And so Haggai, he, like his name sounds, I guess, Haggai uh, was the guy. And so we have to sort of decide, do we trust this guy? And we do because what he wrote. So uh, we are excited about piling into to Haggai this morning. Haggai uh, has a couple of things that he wants to talk to us about, um, but most of it is about attitude. There's something also very interesting about this, this book and this prophet in that there were some specific dates and we don't read this anywhere else in the Bible, from August of the year 520 B.C. to the year December, there are specific dates accounted for that things happened, and they're very important to history, and they're actually really important to us today, and I want to talk about them. So, real quickly, just to give you, I'm not going to talk about history this morning, I just want to give you a very quick picture. 3,000 years ago, when the Jewish nation was divided, uh, David's throne, Solomon's throne, and so on, was divided into northern and southern Israel, northern Israel and, and Judah, I'm sorry. Um, and so that's 3,000 years ago. So the, eventually the Assyrians take over the north. Eventually, after three, uh, three invasions, the Babylonians take over the south, and the nation becomes slaves, and they go into exile for about 70 years. So you see the little exile there where you, where you read about in the book of Daniel. So that's what's going on in history. So now the people have just come out of exile because Darius, the ruler of Persia, Persia takes over Babylonia and Darius says, all right, I understand what's going on here. The nation needs to go back to its God. And so go back to Jerusalem and Go as you may. And so we start to read about that in the book of Ezra. So in these minor prophets, we've been talking about this series, the postcards, right? So that's been what we're talking about in the summer series. This is really what was going on, and this is so 520-ish is what we're going to talk about this morning. That was 520 years before the birth of Christ. And then, of course, there's this sort of period of the Bible, it's kind of the silence. There's not a lot really of anything accounted for for about 500 years, but we do know there were some significant prophecies, and Haggai is one of those. I'm excited to share those with you this morning. So let's jump in in Haggai. If you have your, uh, if you have your Bibles, if not, I've listed up here in this morning. I'm actually going to be reading a little bit out of the book of um, uh, the translation called The Voice. If you haven't heard or haven't read it, I love it. We read it in my family, and it's, it's a fairly new translation and it's really plain spoken. So we're going to read out of that a little bit this morning. And Haggai is going to address 
three attitudes that we all face. Why am I doing this? What is it that I'm building or doing? And when is the end going to happen? When is the fruit of this going to happen? So those are the three ideas that we're going to address this morning. So the first attitude that Haggai addresses is, is really, why should I? And this was the attitude of the nation of Israel. Okay, so in, verse, in chapter 1, verse 2 of Haggai, the Lord Almighty said to Haggai, these people living in Jerusalem say, it's not yet right time for us to build the temple. All right, so think about this. These people have been in captivity for 70 years, just released from being slaves and captive, and say, we're not sure it's the right time. And so you might say to yourself, well, how does that work? Because wouldn't they be excited to go rebuild the temple that had been torn down? Solomon's temple in all its grandeur had been torn down. Let's go rebuild that. And the attitude wasn't there. And so we read on in verse uh, 4 through 6 of Haggai 1. The Lord Almighty said through the prophet Haggai, do you think the time is right for you to live in secure, lavishly covered homes when my house still lies in a heap of rubble? Think very carefully about your choices. You have planted a crop, but your harvest is small. You have food to eat, but it is never enough to satisfy. You have something to drink, but you're never filled. You have clothes to wear, but they're not enough to keep you warm. You earn a salary, but the money quickly runs out as if there are holes in your pocket. So the prophet Haggai receives this from God and says, go tell the people this. You're more concerned about the building of your temple than you are the building of my temple. And so if you ever wondered, is the Bible relevant today? I got to tell you, this week when I was reading through Haggai, I thought, that is written this morning. Like that's what we're facing, right? So the issue of the, the people coming out of Israel, being released, and they go pour into their homes, their jobs, their food, their clothing, and everything else. And you go, how is that possible? But isn't that familiar? Isn't that familiar with what we might see around us or even in our own lives? Yeah, absolutely. Isn't it called the American dream? Isn't that what, isn't that the promise that we're living today? Isn't that the temple that we're serving today? I would say yes. Yeah. So one of, the, uh, one of the points that Haggai makes here is you people, and, and, and God said, use the term, these people, which is interesting because normally God will say, my children, you know, something kind of cuddly, like, these are my kids. But here he says, these people. These people have drifted. By the way, it was God himself who allowed this to happen. And so God's working, and the people aren't getting it. So one of the things that uh, they did is they just literally compartmentalized their lives into things, into temples, and unfortunately, there was a very small, if any, compartment left for God, and isn't that true 
of us sometimes. That when we compartmentalize God, we want to put him in a box and say, you know what, there's a, you know, I'll get to the temple, I'll get to the church, I'll get to that thing, but first, I really need to take care of my property, I really need to, there's this thing that I really want, I'm really looking at this boat, I'm really thinking about this thing, and there's this temple mentality that doesn't become God's temple. In fact, it's not new to history. If you look in Ecclesiastes 4, Solomon addressed this, and he said it this way, Then I saw yet another thing. Envy fuels achievement. All the work and skills people develop come from their desire to be better than their neighbors. Even this is fleeting, like chasing after the wind. Envy fuels achievement. And we're all trying to be better than our neighbors. Yeah, like, that's true today. Right? If you look around, I'm going to guess, in your own neighborhood, you're going to see that same idea. So, what is it that causes people? So, one of the questions that we always ask in, in looking at the Bible is, why? Why were these people in this state of mind just being released and not jacked up about going and building the temple and saying, let's go back to worship. They crawled in the hole and built the house that they live in as a coping mechanism. In fact, there was a study done from the years 2007 till 2013. NBC actually commissioned a study, and it was 2,500 shoppers. Okay, so we're going to pull shopping into this discussion for just a minute. 2,500 shoppers. And for six years... They studied the behaviors of these shoppers, and they found that one-third of the shoppers were actually fueling a need in their life that couldn't be filled anywhere else, like a drug. Basically, the comments and the shopping, it was like they needed a release, they needed a way to go bury their sorrows, drown it out, so they shopped. And so that became a very interesting study in the sense that materialism, and this is really what, this is what the study said. The evidence showed that over time, regardless of income, materialism was associated with an increase in loneliness, and loneliness was associated with the increase of materialism. Doesn't that sound, I mean, there's something wrong. Like, it's like the dog that chases its tail and never catches it. We've had a dog at home who'd just be walking through the kitchen and he just spins around for a couple minutes and never actually catches because his tail's stubby. <laughs> and no matter how much time passes, he still chases. And so materialism uh, increasing increases loneliness. And loneliness is increased by materialism. It, it's all an endless cycle, and Solomon was right, that that idea just doesn't fill. But what's really going on is we get our temples mixed up. We got our temples off base. Okay, so that's, that's the point. Um, there is a need, right? So, so I love this passage. It's in Ecclesiastes 3.11. It says this, God has placed a sense of eternity 
into our hearts. I love that passage because it shows us that God has wired us with eternity in our hearts that will only be filled by him. We have this longing as people to seek after a God in our lives. And so is it not a wonder that the, the one opposed to that is going to set up one temple after another for us to follow, to distract us from the temple that we long for. That's it. Like, we could just stop right now, and that would be enough out of Haggai, because that's, it's packed. So, but let's go on, because we want to address the second attitude. And this one was on September 21st, 520 B.C. The other one, uh, the other date that we just looked at was August 29th. So this was in August, so, so some time has passed. This is September. Again, it's pretty cool how the dates are listed, and that's unusual in the Bible. 520 B.C., the question is, why should we? So, so the people are trying to go, okay, I heard this, I'm convicted, but why should we? So they're looking for the, they're looking for the how also. Um, Haggai 1.7, think very carefully about your choices. Go up to the mountains and bring down trees, make lumber, and build my house. Do this so I can take pleasure in it and be honored by it. So I can take pleasure in it and be honored by it. Verse 12. They took seriously the message brought by the prophet Haggai, believing he had, had been sent by the Eternal One, whom they worshipped and they feared. So they said, look, we get it, and we fear. And so we're going to go do this. So they, they make a commitment. Okay, you're right. We are caught up in our own temples Haggai, we hear your word directly from God. Let's get after it. Let's go, let's go build the temple. There are three points in those scriptures that we should pay attention to. Think, believe, and go. Twice in this passage, God prophesied, God gave the prophet Haggai the, the message. Think carefully about your choices. question is, what are you thinking about and what's feeding your thinking? That's a really important question for us to answer every day. What are we fed by? What are the things that we filter in about our thinking? What are you believing? Because if, if you're thinking something and that turns into a belief about a temple in your life, then you've made a commitment to say, I'm actually going to go believe in that shopping or whatever. Now, for all the guys in there, and they're going, yeah, like, keep talking about this shopping thing, right? Because that works for me at home. All right, don't bring my name up if you do that in your house. Like, I didn't, like, I'm just delivering a message this morning, okay? So, but it's true. Like, what are you believing and what are you following? What are you pouring your heart? What's pouring into you? And then... Um, what are you doing as a result? Are you going the places in your life that matter the most? And I got to tell you, you're looking at me going, well, you got this? No, I don't have this figured out. Because the places that I spend my time, the things that I feed myself with, and the things that I believe in, I'm no different. 
right? So I think that the point here is we've got to help each other. We've got to work together, and God bless the church. That's why we're here. That's why we're on the west side. So it's, it's, good, to, uh, it's good to understand that. God also said in his passage, I want to be honored by it. I don't just want a building. I want to be honored by this idea of the temple. So let's move on to October 17th, 520, and the third attitude, which always sort of we end up in, right? Like when? When will we is the question. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take this move, all right? So I've, I've heard the message, okay, I'm convicted, like I get it. I got a temple in my life. All right, so let's go, let me move toward God. I've made that commitment. So when will I see the fruit of this? Because isn't that always the, the ultimate question? Like, am I going to get any payout in this? Like, is this thing like I'm coming to church or I'm going to go invest in a small group or yeah, I'm going to go volunteer or go on a mission trip? I would suggest that that's important to answer. But that's not really for us to have to answer. Because God's timing is God's timing. So in, in Haggai chapter 2, again, October 17th, 520, verses 6 through 9. Yet once more I will, I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens, the sea, and the land, and I will rattle all the nations, and all that is valuable in the eyes of the world will be willingly brought to my house, I will see to it that it is filled to the brim with my glory. You see, all the silver and all the gold in the world already belongs to me. You will stand by and watch as the magnificent new house will eclipse my first house. And this new house, in this new house, I will give you peace. So there's a prophecy taking place here like, okay, so we don't know when. So Haggai says, not to worry, but let me just tell you what God's saying. There is going to be a house, and it's going to be a pretty grand one. So there's, there's prophecy taking place here about the future, and, and there's an issue of patience. So some of you may know this or may have, may have studied it, but there's a, there's a church in Barcelona, Spain called Sagrada Familia, Sacred Family. And so you're, some of you have been there. I've actually fortunately been there. It's an amazing place. Um, Antonio Gaudi started this uh, church in 1882. And he worked on it for over 50 years until he passed away in 1926. Unfortunately, he was hit by a tram. But he was only 25% done with the church at those 50 years. And the church isn't done today, right? So... If you go in this church um, and you see it, I mean, this doesn't really, a picture is hard to capture this. It does not do justice. Those carvings in that, in that steeple, if you will, are unbelievably detailed. And I mean, they're every inch of this church that's supposedly going to be finished in, at his death in 2026. And I'm telling you, these guys are working feverishly to get there. That's a, that's a church. I mean, like, it's awe-inspiring to be there. But you know what? At the end of this building, you have to stop and ask the question, 
how many lives were saved. This church has been declared like one of the major temples in the world. And when it's finished, it's going to be stuck in grandeur. And it's a work of art. But I'm telling you, that's not necessarily the temple that Haggai is prophesying about. It's not about the building. Um, 2 Corinthians 6.16, and there's tons of passages that lead us to this conclusion right here now. Pay attention. 2 Corinthians 6.16, can the temple of God find common ground with idols? Don't you see that we house the temple of the living God within us? Remember when he said, I will make my home with them and I will walk among them. I will be their God and they will be my people. The temple isn't a building. God wasn't looking for a temple to be rebuilt. He was looking for a people to come back to him. Jesus Christ came to the earth, sent by God to build the ultimate temple. And guess what? It's sitting in the chair right here and right there and right there and right there and in many chairs this morning and in many pews and in many churches. That is the temple, prophesied temple. It's us. And if, if you go back in church history and you look at the start of the church, the day of Pentecost, and Peter, Jesus says to Peter, you're not going to be Simon anymore. You're going to be Peter. And on this rock, I'll build my church. That wasn't a building. It wasn't a thing with a steeple and pews and music and sound and hymn books. That wasn't the temple. That wasn't the church that Jesus was saying. And he said, furthermore, you're all going to do this, and I'm going to be right there with you in the form of the Holy Spirit. So when I leave, I'm actually not leaving. I'm going to stay behind, and I'm going to work right alongside of you. In fact, I'm going to carry you. And so the temple that I want to build and construct is you. And this morning, the church isn't the church. The church isn't this building, although this is an awesome building. It's a great building. It, it's, it's actually, it was great this morning walking in and smelling syrup, like in a church. Like, that's just a great thing. In fact, Larry and I talked and said, we should pipe that into the other church every Sunday because it just gets a good feeling. Yeah, so... But that's not it, right? That's not where we find our connection. That's not where we find that longing that God has built within us. The longing built within us is to not go to church or build a church. It is to be the church. We're not supposed to sit in a building in a pew week after week and just take it. Just enjoy it. Come on. Pump up and sing louder and maybe you'll get there. That's not at all the idea of the church. Throughout the New Testament, we get a great picture of the church being the church. And it has vision in it. It has people in it. But it has souls within it. 
And Jesus, he called us his bride. He said, that church is my bride. Guess what? That's you, and that's me, and that's all of us. We get to be the bride of Christ. We get to be what was prophesied many years ago. We get to go do that thing, whatever that thing is, and you don't have to decide, and it doesn't have to be in a building, because you can be church today and never have even showed up here this morning. But I'm glad you did. That's the church. We've talked about this at Sherwood Oaks. In fact, the very idea of this being on the west side came from a discussion that we had nine years ago when we said, we don't want to be a country club on a hill. That's not at all what we want to be. And we don't want to build a bigger building and a, because they don't have to have a bigger parking lot. That's not where God is found. We want to go be the church and take the church out. So we simply said, let's go be I to you. Let's go be us into the community and into the world. I to you. Go be the church, yes, to love. And said, let's go take the church out. And so it's so awesome to be standing right here today and looking out and seeing the church, not the chairs, but seeing God working in people. God says this, and the New Testament is filled with this. Go take care of your temple. Offer yourselves as a living sacrifice to God. Don't go build a building. Unless that's to congregate and encourage one another, and that's, we're all, we're instructed by this. So, I think sometimes, and if, if you go home and you Google Andy Stanley and you Google things like the temple model, you'll hear some really good stuff out there right now discussing the role of the church. And it is not a temple. It's not a temple made by hands. It is, it is people. Final, final verse, and this is on December 4th, 520 in Haggai. Chapter 2, verse 23, he says this, I will make you... My choice as a signet ring represents the wishes of its owners because I have chosen you. I love that. Like, for all the faults that I have, that you have, that we have, as, as weird and wicked and awful as we can be at times, God says, I, I've chosen you. And a signet ring is interesting. I think I've got a picture of a signet ring. A signet ring was used as a, as a testimony of significance. So if you, were the, if you had the king's signet ring, you could go anywhere and do anything, including currency. Like you could go just be anything if you had the king's signet ring because that meant that you would go out and, and be able to basically control, do, be, whatever you wanted to be because you were significant in the eyes of the king. The prophecy to Haggai was, you will all be a signet ring. We have the freedom in Christ today to go be his ring represented by his life. So, it kind of comes down to this. There's an attitude here 
that we want to pay attention to. And the, the whole point of this morning and the whole point of the prophecy in Haggai is go ahead and check your attitude. Go ahead and connect with somebody and talk about your attitude. And if, if the attitude creation in you just isn't, you're like, you're going, I don't know, like, where to start, we're glad you're here. Because it really starts with a conversation about Jesus. It, it starts and stops with a conversation about Jesus. And whether or not you've accepted the fact that Jesus has said to you, I want to put a ring on your finger like we're married, but you're going to be able to go out and do my work. And so in a few minutes, we're going to invite you. If you, if you want to talk about this uh, over in the bar room, <laughs> love that. We've got some tables set up and there will be some people there to talk. If you just want to come down front, if you want to talk, if you want to pray, if you say, look, I just need to get some help, that's why we're here. That's why we're on the west side. So, at the end of the day, the, the kingdom of heaven, as we, as we perceive it, read about it, it's not going to be a temple, a church, a building. It is going to be stacked up people in the hands of the potter and the clay. You've, read that, you've heard about that. It's going to be people stacked up in heaven. And those people are the soul's of Christ and those souls of Christ are, are the temple that's the temple it, it's not a place it's not a building that's why we don't have a clear picture of heaven because all we need to know is that it's built on the souls of Christ and the foundation of Christ and that's it so if this morning you, your heart's been stirred and you said you know Haggai pretty cool guy like but I'm stirred. I need to talk. That's, that's why we're here. If, if you just need to say, look, I just need to become one of those bricks. I, just, I, need, that, I need to make a commitment to, to being the temple, to, to going ahead and helping to encourage the temple. That's, that's why we're here. So as we stand and as we sing, uh, you come. In the back room, there will be people, and we'll be around for a little while. God bless.